today's show is a rebroadcast of a previous show. Yes, this is a replay, but I'm playing it so we don't forget. Station, this is your president. Do you hear me? Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain What a great honor to be able to introduce My for the friend, first time ever anywhere the 45th clear, President of the United I'll States of America, Donald J. Trump Of which I'm certain And yes, Together, we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Every highway and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention, I did what I had to do, and saw it through without exemption, I planned each charted course. Each careful step along the byway And more, much more than this I did it my way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I fit off more than I could choose But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all And I stood tall And did it my way For what is a Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. Today is January the 24th in the year 2021. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist. Welcome to the show. Now, if you go to Armchair Survivalist, you can find out all the different ways to listen to me. Obviously, you know one way because you're listening to me. For those of you who listen on my website, I have to tell you, because Flash was discontinued January 12th, so all kinds of stuff is no longer working on the internet, so you weren't able to listen to me on the... But my engineer, Todd, gave me some uh, players to put on there. 
These are the things you click the little arrow and you can hear it playing right now. The problem is half of the browsers out there don't work on the first player. Half don't work on the second player. So I have two players there. Take your pick. The computer's different. My computer in the, in the studio is different than the one 10 feet away in my office. You'll have to figure it out. Either the first player will work or the second player will work. Now, the second player works fine when I turn on my computer and I go to armchairsurvivalist.com slash chat.html. But if I hit pause, it won't start again. So the other player works. Anyway, so that's one of the ways. And please pay attention because you're going to find out you can't listen to me and you're going to get all upset. One or two players will work. Ways to listen down at the bottom of the page. I'm on all, name a podcast venue. I'm on iHeartRadio, Anchor, Listen Notes, Google, Apple. I'm, I'm even on YouTube. You can listen on Global Star 3 Satellite. You can listen in my chat room, just like I told you. You can listen by dialing a number. It is 641-741-0371. It is not toll-free. So it's your dime, 641-741-0371. And if that's not the right number, they'll refer you to another number. Now, if you missed the show, there is links there on the page. It says, listen to the most recent show of the Armchair Survival. Just click here. If you do that, you can listen to the most recent show. And that changes every Sunday. Then if you want to download my shows, you go to, on the left-hand side of any page armchairsurvivalist.com. You'll see the little nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor gramophone. Click on that and it'll take you to the page that says the Armchair Survivalist Past Shows. Pick the one you want, download it, save it, or play it. That's up to you. Okay, I think that's all. I just wanted to make sure that you guys got the uh, idea of of those new players. Now, some info to get out of the way for the company Survival Enterprises. I think I said last week, I have a bunch of gun stuff here. I was a master gunsmith for 25 years and retired about uh, 15 years ago from that. And I'm finding weird stuff that I forgot I had. I have stripper clips. I have stripper clips, and these are all brand new, for the SKSs. So and there's other stuff there. There's a bunch of holsters, a bunch of grips. It's, there's, it changes, but you got to come in to look at this stuff. I got the shortwave radios in, the Voyagers. Everybody needs to have at least one shortwave radio. I also got the ham radios in. We'll get more into that at the towards the end of the show. But I also got the, the uh, little handheld radios in. They're very simple. They're they're not that simple, actually. But they do come with an instruction manual. They're digital, and they have a desktop charger with them. They're, these radios, if they were sold by ICOM or Yasu or any of the other high-tech uh, giants that have been selling ham radios for 100 years, they'd be worth 200 300 bucks because they're from China which pretty much everything is now. I sell them for 50 bucks a piece. I know it sounds cheap, but no, it's real. So I got those. If you remember last week, I talked about books. And I have on my show notes page, I have a bunch of books and downloads and everything else. And one of my listeners sent me, and I thank you, a link to Paladin Press downloads. Those of you who know Paladin Press, you're going to go, holy crap. Yeah, these are books that were put out in the 90s, 80s and 90s. And they were, uh, well, let's put it this way the communists don't like them because these books teach people how to do stuff that us ignorant peons shouldn't know how to do i'm going to have that link up i don't have it up there yet but it'll be up on last week's show show notes and on this week's show notes i've only got like 15 minutes to talk to you so we're gonna have to be quick about this but i'm going to tell you something right now that uh, most of you who have listened to me for a while remember karen 
Karen. I got an email from Karen in 2012. That's how long I've known her. Hi, Kurt. For some reason, I could not sleep tonight and decided to search the internet for a few things and found your website and podcast. Being very bored, I thought, what the hell, and started playing your show, thinking, yeah, I could end up with some nut job and a malicious show advocating one thing or another. However, I was pleasantly surprised once I got halfway into the show and will make a point to listen to you live or at least download your show as far as I have found it informative. As someone who's been involved in emergency and disaster services for well over 30 years, I find your insight and knowledge to be something that many people should listen to. Sincerely, Karen Johansson, Director, Aguilar Offices of Emergency Management in Colorado. This is how I was introduced to Karen, and we got to be friends, and I had her on my show, oh, at least once every few months. She is an expert in ham radio. And then I got another email from a, one of my listeners named Steve. I remember Karen appearing on her show several times over the past years. She was always sharing communication experience and advice with you and your listeners. I discovered yesterday Karen had passed away and thought you might want to know. Now we're going into the health department. Moderna is one of the companies that's selling this operating system liquid that they inject into you. Their shot is killing and maiming so many people, and you're not hearing any of this. There's some quote-unquote adverse effects. That's all you're hearing. But in the dark web, we're seeing the actual links, the actual people, the actual thing that's happening. California has ceased using the Moderna vaccine. They call it vaccine. Now they have the Pfizer vaccine, right? Israel got a great brother-in-law deal on the Pfizer vaccine, so they're pumping it into all their people. And what's happening is hundreds of people in Israel are coming up paralyzed. Either facial paralyzation or full body paralyzation, and it is killing the unborn in pregnant women. Now you understand, I hope anybody listening to me isn't so damn stupid as to think that any vaccine should be given to a pregnant woman. That's happening in Israel. The Seattle communist government is looking at using the emergency medical technicians from the fire departments to go door to door and offer the vaccinations. Germany has a great idea. Last week I told you that Australia is looking at using the outback to house the criminal rule breakers. And Germany is looking at using refugee camps, setting up refugee camps for all the COVID rule breakers. You have heard many times about what's coming with the vaccination uh, what do they call it? Passport. Vax Passport. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's real. Jeez, all, all kinds of different companies are working on it. They're, Microsoft is working on it in conjunction with the Mayo Clinic, Oracle. There's more. But they're, they want a, a um, some kind of a digital passport or paper passport. I'm not sure which. That the people that take the vaccine can prove. All right, we've got to get into the liberal psychosis. Yeah, you, you know about the, uh, the rushing of the Capitol building by Antifa. Okay, well... All of the media, including Fox News, which has taken their gloves off now, and they're showing themselves to be just another clone of the Communist Review. They're they're calling it a lethal riot, a deadly riot. Well, the Communists, now understand this, and I'll explain this every show. In the United States, we no longer have Democrats. We have Socialists all the way up to and including Communists. There are no Democrats in the United States. They, they call themselves that. We know they're not. Basically, what the commies in Congress want us to do is uh, lock up the White House, the Capitol buildings, all of them. They want us peons no longer allowed in the um, ruling area of the District of Columbia. No, I'm, I'm serious. And speaking of ham radios, and now because the communists in charge are able to censor us on Facebook and Twitter... 
and pretty much every place else, patriots are talking on ham radio to each other. And now the government is coming out and threatening, you know, if we if we hear of anything happening on ham radio, we can just flip a switch and turn it off. I don't know how true that is, but that's the, that's the uh, threats that we're getting. Publishers are banding together and saying, book publishers, magazine publishers, saying we are no longer going to support any conservative writing. Definitely not going to allow any Trump family member to print a book. So this, they, they really want, they want to lock everything down. Lock everything down. And then, you know, the guy that uh, invented the MyPillow? Well, he's getting screwed also. Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, and a few other companies are saying, we're not, we're not going to sell your stuff anymore. You're too um, conservative. This is how a communist takeover happens. This is how a Nazi takeover happens and a fascist takeover happens. They shut down all opposing viewpoints. There's a football coach, high school football coach in uh, Dedham, Massachusetts. And he has a daughter in the seventh grade there. The daughter comes home one day and says, Dad, the teacher's wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. And she's saying how whites are, are disrespectful to all other races and and that we need to be not white anymore. And, and the coach got pissed off about that. And he mentioned it to the, to the school board and they fired him. How dare he interrupt their love fest for blacks? This is typical. And it's happening more and more and more. Hal Turner. HalTurnerRadioShow.com. Every year, every month, Hal is begging for money. I mean, he does this. He's like, I need the money so I can pay for the, my radio time. Well, fine. He got kicked off PayPal. No excuse, no reason. Just kicked off. You know Amazon and the ring? You know the doorbells you can get that you put on your door and they hook through your router and you can see what's happening with your cell phone at any time? Or the Amazon, oh, I don't remember, the little little speakers you can buy? And they, you say, you say, a, a, uh, Alexa, play Tchaikovsky's uh, Concerto Number no. Five in B flat minor, and it will. Well, a year ago, I told you all. Every one of those things is now accessible by law enforcement, and they're keeping all that data. There's a storage location that actually keeps all that data. They hear something in there, they keep it. Microsoft, even when you die, it's not going to help because they're going to use you. <laughs> They're going to use all the data that you've put on. You put on a page, they're going to use all that data to create bots, short for robot. And this is a intelligent program that can be used by Microsoft to do anything from go into a chat room and disrupt it to uh, talk to people in other forums and can try and convince them that their viewpoints are wrong. Okay. They're not. Your death isn't even going to stop them. Well, I had to look at this one twice. I, you know, I have my I have my show notes here. Okay, they're on paper first before I put them on the on the page, and I I kind of use shorthand to uh, name what the the link is that I'm looking at. And this one is named "Idiots at the Capitol Convicted Themselves," and I'm going, wait a minute, what the hell is that? Oh, selfie snapping rioters. In other words, idiots at the Capitol took selfies. And then posted them, and now the FBI is using those to find every single one who passed, who, who post, who posted their selfie. Every single one. Now this, we're under the category liberal psychosis. You understand that? I never thought this would ever come into fruition, much less my vocabulary. Cadbury eggs, the chocolate Cadbury eggs, that every year is advertised for Easter. This year, Cadbury has two sexual perverts each of them biting the ends of the Cadbury egg 
into where they get together and kiss. I have a link on there where you can go and uh, complain to them. This is disgusting. This is sick. Do you remember one of the latest lower forms of life that got shot by a cop and, and all the other lower forms of life are uh, rioting? And this this guy, you've seen the picture all over the news for months. He was walking around his car and the cops were had their guns on him saying, stop, stop, stop moving, put it down, put it down. You couldn't see anything in his hand. Well, he gets in his car and he makes a move and then he gets shot. Unfortunately, he's still alive. And he had an interview. This is the thing the FBI loves. People's mouths. The FBI is not what you think they are. They don't, they're not the best investigative force on earth anymore. 90% of their work is done by people's mouths saying what, they, what happened to them, saying what they did. Well, this guy's name is Blake. John, uh, Jacob Blake. He was shot multiple times in Wisconsin last summer. Well, he got interviewed Good Morning America by Michael Strawn. And in this interview on TV, he says, yeah, I, I had a knife in my hand. Yes, okay. Yes, well, stupid is as stupid does. And you know, you're, you're, some years back, Chris Wallace interviewed some very famous, they're communists, but they call themselves Democrats. Why don't you do us all a favor? Explain the difference between Democrat and socialist, would you please? I want to try to help you uh, for this audience tonight, our audience, <laughs> locate yourself politically in this country. Now, we have Trump out there and we have Bernie out here. Now, Bernie calls himself a socialist. Nobody uses a derogatory term anymore. It's his, he loves to have that label. He's never ran as a Democrat. He runs against Democrats up there in Vermont. You're a Democrat. I'd say you're a pretty typical Democrat uh, in the tradition of the Democratic Party. What's the difference between a socialist and a Democrat? Well, Is that have... a question you want to answer or would you rather not? Play, well, play? you know, you'd have to ask. Well, see, I'm you'd asking have... you. You're well, a Democrat. He's a socialist. Do you would you like somebody to call you a socialist? I wouldn't like somebody calling well, me a socialist. But I'm, I'm not one. Okay, I well, mean, what's I'm, the difference I'm between a socialist one. and a Democrat? Last well, question. I can tell you what I am. I am a progressive oh. Democrat. I'm a progressive How's Democrat. How's that different than a socialist? Like- what is the difference between a Democrat and a socialist? <laughs> I used to think there was a big difference. What's what do you think it is? The difference between a Democrat like Hillary Clinton the, the and a socialist like Bernie Sanders. What's the difference between a, being a Democrat and being a Republican? Well, what's the bigger difference? What's the big difference between a Democrat and a socialist? You're the chairman of the Democratic Party. Tell me the difference between you and a socialist. In a socialist and a Democrat. Oh, I, it depends how you define each one, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you do it. Well, I'm not going to get into it, but... Uh, <laughs> Why uh, not? Bert- Nobody will do it. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the chair of the Democratic Party, won't answer my question. Hillary Rodham, you guys are well-schooled in political polemics yes. and language and nomenclature. You're quite capable of defining the difference between a socialist, Look. self-described, and a Democrat, self-described. Yeah, I- Would it be helpful to change the name of the Democratic Party to the Social Democratic Party? Would that help improve uh, the definition I, for everybody? I think we're happy with our present name. <laughs> You've told me so much. Whenever I hear you not speak... It teaches me a great deal. Senator Charles Schumer. See, if you took a volume knob, just like you have on a radio, right? Turn it all the way down to the left, you have Democrat. I mean, pegged. Peg. All the way to the pegged left, you have Democrat. Move it up one notch on a scale of one to ten. One notch, you have a socialist. Move it up three more notches, so now it's on five. You have a communist. And you go from five to ten... You still have a communist, but now they're busy killing people. And they do it in many different ways. And I'm sure if my radio show stays on this year, I'm going to tell you all the different ways and things that communism has destroyed every nation it's ever gone into. Every single one. Now we're into government threat. Oregon is finalizing a bill for emergency 
seizure of private property. You, you get that? Okay, emergency seizure of private property, HB 2238. It's meant to clarify the governor's authority to use private, dirt, private property during an emergency. Now, there's already provisions in place for limited use, and it's the same, same thing in every state, actually. Every state and also in the federal government. What they want to do is tighten it up. Number one, they want to control, restrict, regulate by rationing, freezing, use of quotas, prohibitions on shipments, price fixing, allocation or other means, the use, sale or distribution of food, feed, fuel, clothing, and other commodities, materials, goods, and services. This is the government wanting. They want control. Two, prescribe and direct activities in connection with use, conservation, salvage, and prevention of waste of materials, services, and facilities. Now, see, under this section, too, if you have stored up a year's worth of food, that's a waste of materials. So they want the right to take it from you. Services and facilities, including but not limited to production, transportation, power, and communication facilities, and supply of labor, utilization of industrial plants, health and medical care, nutrition. You, If you listen to all the words and then you sit back and go, what would Murphy think of this? Remember Murphy? Murphy thought if anything could go wrong, it would go wrong. So number two, prescribe and direct activities in connection with health, welfare, rehabilitation, medical care, child care. Yes, need to take your children away from you because you're too stupid to take the vax. So... We're going to take your kids because you're dangerous. And we have the right to direct activities in connection with. Yes, those of you in Oregon, good luck. Now that we have communists pretty much out in our face, controlling everything that's going to be happening in the United States now, you are going to find attacks on whites is going to increase. And they do it in different ways. Sometimes they come right out and say, whites aren't worth anything, let's kill them all. Other ones say, blacks are better. Blacks, we should help all blacks. We should help all Mexicans. We should help all everything that isn't white. They'll, they'll do it in many different ways. They're doing it right now in, in the public school system. Which brings me to my point, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care who or what you are. If you have a child that's in the public school system, get him the hell out now. Not tomorrow. Now. Pull him out. Or put a bullet in her head. You might as well. Because what you're going to allow to be created are communists, are sexually perverted, America-hating communists. This is what you are going to be creating if you leave them in public school. I am going to do a little bit of a show, not now, but I'm going to do a little bit of a show that's going to give you as much ammunition as possible to homeschool your own child. It is not that difficult. I homeschooled mine. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know how to make it as vivid and imposing as possible get your children out of public schools and if you have them already in a christian school or some kind of a charter school you had better go there and audit the classes because this perversion is going every school in the united states they're being taught sexual perversion is acceptable christianity is some hobby that some old white people did 50 to 100 years ago and it's totally okay to attack everything white Everything that's ever been created by whites, everything that uh, works, if it's associated with a white person, you've got to attack it. And by the way, you can't be white. You have to be something else. Get your kids out of public schools. Maybe next week I'll be able to do a, a little segment on it, and I'll have a whole bunch of links and all this. Anyway, so that why I'm saying this right now is because Maryland, 
Maryland just got a new Speaker of the House. Now, this Speaker of the House is a typical racist. She's a black woman. She hates whites. And her whole goal is going to be teaching everyone in Maryland how bad it is to be white and how good it is to be black. And she wants all of the legislature to work on helping blacks ignore the whites. Ignore So who cares if there's poor whites? Ignore them. We're going to work this coming year on helping all the blacks in Maryland. Period. That's not racist, is it? Okay, now I got to... Until I figure out a better name, his category... We had Trump, right? We had Trump category. Well, now we have Dimwit. So on Dimwit's category... Oh, by the way, now this is a joke, but go to your web browser, type in antifa.com, hit enter, and look where it goes. Now I had a video. I have four or five videos. I can't download them because they're on the dark web. You don't download anything on the dark web. You don't know what's hooked to it. Videos of uh, from the inside of one of the cars in the group of cars that was taking Dimwit to the Capitol. Okay? Half of the soldiers, as he drove by, turned their backs to him. Half the National Guards turned their backs. And none saluted. Zero. Let's see. Dimwit's educational, the Secretary of Education, thinks that whites are killing black children something to do with spirit killing i didn't grasp this and neither did i care and then uh dimwit wants to have an assistant health secretary is a disgusting transvestite this is the department of health right so this thing i mean even in a nightmare i wouldn't pick something that looked this ugly to do anything with it looks like an old fat gross looking man wearing a dress and long hair you You've got to see his cabinet picks. Do you know? I don't know if you've read them yet. I'm gonna. I'm sure someone's gonna do research on every single one of them. But I have a link that'll give you his full list of, of the picks that he wants in his cabinet. And I stopped after halfway because I'm looking at black racist, black racist, sexual pervert, sexual pervert, and black racist. I, it's it goes on and on and on and on. This is worse than Clinton. I was going to read Dimwit's executive orders. I can't. I can't yet because he keeps doing them. He's done about 30 so far. You're not you you're just not going to believe what he's done. He literally he's putting with a stroke of a pen a quarter million to half a million people out of work. He's shutting down everything that has to do with oil to a certain degree. Um and again, he's passing executive orders that are to help everyone in the United States except if you're white. There's so many of them, and they're disgusting. I'm reading these and going, this guy, how can he How can he possibly do this? How can he possibly do this? This is insane. And then I realized he's a golem. Do you, Most people don't know what a golem is. It comes from ancient Jewish, where they would take mud and blood from the person who wanted to create the golem. And he would create a humanoid character and then embed it with magic. And basically, this golem would do his bidding. Whatever he wanted it to do, it would do it. I'm watching, and my son told me, uh, Dad, I just watched this. You've got to see this. And it was live, but uh, he had it recorded. Biden is coming back in from whatever he did out on the steps of the Capitol. And there's all his Marine guards there standing, saluting him. And he's looking down, muttering, salute the Marines, salute the Marines, salute the Marines, salute the Marines. I'm going, what the hell is that? And then I notice in his ear, and you'll find this every time you see him, every single time you see in his ear is an earplug. Is an ear, it's a speaker, ear speaker. Somebody's, somebody is controlling that golem. 
at all times. Every time you see him, he will have that ear ear piece in, and he will be be being told what to say and what to do. And he is so far along in dementia that some of the times all he does is repeat what they told him. In 2003, there was a speech. There was a speech by this Democrat governor, Richard Lamb, where he said, I have a plan to destroy America. And when I'm listening or I'm reading all of these links that go to the executive orders that he, that uh, Dimwit has passed, I'm looking at the ones where it says, stop all activity building the wall, back off all enforcement, direct link to citizenship for all illegal aliens in the United States. There's five or six more just like this. Again, if you're an American and you're white, you don't count. Then I remembered the article that I found. It was printed on Ranch.com, and it was printed in 2005, and I found uh, in 2003 was when this governor did this little speech, and Mark Levin found it in 2005, and he'd never heard of it. I have an audio clip that's three minutes long that is very, very fascinating. And I'm going to play this audio clip. It's never been played before anywhere. I'm going to play this for you because there is a stunning news story at Breitbart where Senator Sessions and his staff point out that fully 98% of individuals deported from the United States last year were either criminals, apprehended while legally crossing the border, or had been previously deported. So in other words, they're not deporting anybody unless they're criminals, they've been previously deported, or they turn them away at the border. Once they get into the interior of the United States, the overwhelming majority of them are not removed. This is a huge story, which is being completely ignored, except by me. Now, I want to give this some context. A couple of times in the past, I've read to you a transcript of a short speech that was given by former liberal Democrat governor of Colorado, Dick Lamb, a liberal Democrat. And at this particular event, he was introducing, or he was introduced by Victor Davis Hanson, who has written a magnificent book, it's written several years ago, actually, called Mexifornia. And the title, you know, gives away the substance of the book. But before I get into the specifics of what Obama is doing to this country, I want you to hear not me reading what Dick Lamb said in October 2003, but I want you to hear what Dick Lamb himself said. I really want you to listen to this. Turn up the volume, and here you have a former governor who really, really gets it. Again, a liberal Democrat. And he calls it my plan to destroy America. My plan to destroy America. And a hat tip to our partners at FAIR who provided this to me, and this has never been played before. Cut one, go. I would like to share with you my plan to destroy America. If you think, and some do, that America is too smug, too rich, too self-satisfied, not diverse enough, too white bread, I have this plan. Toynbee, you know, said that all great nations rise and they all fall. And he said, and the autopsy of history is all great nations commit suicide. So here's my plan, eight parts. Number one, I'd make it a bilingual, bicultural country. History shows us that no bilingual, bicultural country lives at peace with itself. There's not one, I believe, that doesn't exist with an incredible amount of tension and, and conflict, if not civil war. My second part of my plan would be to invent something called multiculturalism. This would be two parts. Number one, I would say that all cultures are created equal. 
It would be, make no difference and would make it impossible to talk about such things as culture. And the second one is that I would really try very hard to make people continue their cultural identity. I would replace the melting pot with the salad bowl. My third part of my plan would be to make the fastest growing demographic group in that country the least educated. I would add a second underclass to the first underclass, unassimilated, undereducated, antagonistic, and then I'd have 50% of them drop out of school, not graduate from high school. The fourth part of my plan would be to get the big foundations to fund, and big business, to fund these efforts with lots of money. I would invest in ethnic identity and uh, victimology. I would get them to think about their lack of success was only the fault of the majority. I would start a grievance industry. The fifth part of my plan is I would develop dual citizenship. I would promise people actually divided loyalties, allow them to allow both for, to vote for both Vincente Fox and George Bush. The sixth part, and this is important, I would place all of these subjects off limits. I would make it taboo to talk about, actually, or criticize this whole thing. I would make it uh, come up with a word like heretic used to be 200 years ago. Let's say we call it racist, and I would try to accuse anybody of this that would object to my ideas. My seventh part, then, I would make it impossible to enforce our immigration laws. I would develop a mantra, let's call it this, that uh, because immigration has been good in the past for America, it will continue to be uh, good in the future. My eighth and last part, and it's important, is I would censor this book. This man <laughs> is dangerous. He's on to my plan. Don't read this book. <laughs> and he's pointing to our friend Victor Davis Hanson in his book, Mexifornia, where he lays out the case. So this coming year, two years, three, four, until they they remove Dimwit because of his dementia, which is going to happen. There's not even a question. We knew that going into this. We're going to see the unbridled hatred that communists have for their enemies. And if you're white, you're the enemy of communism. If you're an American, you're the enemy of communism. These people are communists, and they're going to do everything they can in their power to destroy our power and for that matter, our right to even exist. I've been attacked by this government. See, you don't, the president doesn't matter. It's the government, the deep state, the IRS, the ATF, the FBI, the CIA, the EPA, I mean, OSHA, on and on. And there's eight, over 843 agencies within the United States government. Most of them aren't, are, in fact, none of them are, from, are elected officials. They're appointed by whoever is leading the White House. So we, you guys better buckle up because this is not going to be a fun ride. And I'll do what I can as long as I can to give you information that can help you stay in front of this crap. I talked to you about Karen ahead of, in the beginning here. I have two interviews I did with her on ham radio and communications, and I put both of them together. One of them has little sound problems. And the second one was a little bit better. Uh, and you can hear that, that a little bit that Karen, Karen, when she was in the military, had an accident. It took most of one of her arms and other parts of her body, and it made her very susceptible to many diseases. But they didn't stop her wit or her intelligence at all. And that's why many times in interviewing her, she would call me on the phone and we'd talk for hours, and she would give me ideas for shows. 
And then she would call in just as a normal caller at the time I was taking live calls. And she would call in and we would talk and everybody loved her. Sometimes she was a pain in the ass, but we all did what we could to help her out. And she never balked once at answering questions or, to, or in helping other people learn how to use ham radios, how to use FRS, GMRS, CB radios, how to communicate. She had some very, very unforeseen stroke, strokes of bad luck in the last years of her life. And I pray to God the next one is a lot smoother than this one went. Here are the two interviews that I have done with Karen. Hey, Karen, you there? Hi, Cart. Hi. Hey, thanks for calling in, hon. Oh, not a problem. Yeah, All right, so... Sunday afternoon. So this is, uh, this is Karen. She's our resident expert on radio communications, and we're going to be talking today about different things on ham radios and antennas and broadcasting and receiving and all that good stuff. And it's, she knows that I know about negative 1% about what she's talking about. So I'm going to just let her talk. So you, you go ahead and talk, hon. Hi. Before we get started, I'd like uh, those that are interested to get out a pencil and piece of paper because I'm going to give you some information that you're going to want to write down and some web links from what you're going to want to write down so you can go research it later. We're going to work from the premise that everything's gone to heck in a handbasket in the country. Um, martial law is declared in some areas and things are just garbage. Nothing we can do about it. We're on our own. There's no grocery stores, no gas stations open, no nothing. You want to know what's going on in the outside world. Well, you have several choices. One, you can have just a standard uh, shortwave receiver, which just about everybody should have. In fact, I got two of them. I got one put away with the batteries out of it just in case an EMP were to hit. And people constantly say, well, an EMP is going to be caused by a thermonuclear bomb exploded just outside the atmosphere, above the ionosphere, and two bombs set off simultaneously above the U.S. in different locations, just one over the, say, Mississippi, Tennessee region, another one over uh, Texas Panhandle or Colorado would take out the other half of the country. The government's already done a study that it would only cost, now I know this is a big number, $900 billion, but that would protect the entire electrical grid of the United States. Yet it's been in committee and being kicked around for about 10 years now. They won't do anything, so they don't expect them to do anything for you. But say that, and also, uh, well, the point I want to get to is that thermon, uh, an EMP is not going to be necessarily caused by a thermonuclear device. We have the sun, which generates enough energy to fly the planet. The only reason it doesn't is we have, an electro, we have the electromagnetic field around the planet that disperses the energy. However, a large enough blast from the sun and for the life in there, I can't remember what it's called right now. Solar flare? Um, well, it's a solar flare, but it's a special type. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> that, would, that could render the, uh, not only the U.S., but the entire planet dark in a matter of minutes. Uh, it was a minor uh, flare that took out the northeast and parts of Canada about 10, 12 years ago. All it takes is one being in our direction. So the sun emit, emits them all the time. So don't think that, you know, it's going to take a bomb. You may get eight hours notice, if you're lucky, that an EMP is set it away from the sun. And then if that's the case, I hope, I ha I hope you have all your equipment sitting inside a well-grounded Faraday cage. Anyway, you don't want to know what's going on in the world, what's going on in your state, in the country, in your own city. One way is, as I said, a, um, a shortwave receiver. 
Now, I don't know why they call it a short list, but it's actually just the opposite. The, higher, the lower you go in frequency, the longer the waves get. But they've always called it shortwave. I guess that was a sales ploy back in the 40s and 50s for these type radios. Now, the only problem with shortwave radios is you're going to be able to listen to people that are talking. You're not going to be able to talk back to them. In most cases, you really don't want to talk back to most people. You don't want people knowing who you are, where you are, and especially what you have. Because they may want to come take what you have. But having the ability to talk to stations across country for a short burst of time so you can't be tracked can be a good thing. Now, I've heard people tell me that, well, I don't, don't need a ham radio license. If that happens, I can just get on the air and start talking. Newsflash. Most licensed amateur radio operators, and I mean like 99%, will not talk to somebody who does not have a license. And if they have a working computer with a database on it, and just about all hands have a call sign database these days, I have one on two computers, I can type in call sign, they'll tell me who you are, where you are. If they look you up and find out that, that call doesn't exist, or the name doesn't match, they're, turn, they're just going to go to another frequency, and you're not going to be able to communicate with anyone. So getting a license doesn't hurt. Now, there are three levels of licensing. There's technician, general, and extra. The technician that we in the amateur community refer to as a license to learn is a very easy license to get. 35 questions, you can miss eight. You miss nine, you flunk. But you can get a book and study it. There are clubs all over the country that give free classes. All you got to do is go to the ham club once a week or twice a week and take your class and then they'll give you the test. And at the very end, it'll cost you a whole $14 to take your test. That's what the FCC mandates. Nothing you can do about that when you give a test. But the tech, like I said, technician's class is easy to get. That allows you to get on everything from 10 meters and up. So you'd have 10 meters, 6 meters, 2 meters, 440. Now, the higher you go up, the shorter your range is going to be. But 6 and 10 are pretty good bands to talk Cross state, cross several states in. So if you get your get your technicians class, you have privileges on these bands. The general class license will be a little bit harder, but it's not that difficult. I mean, they've been dumbing it down for years, Kurt. Now to get back to what we're talking about, the general class amateur uh, license will allow you to get on frequencies and the what they call the short wave band and 80 meters, 40 meters. And as you study and learn, you'll understand what these are. For example, 80 meters would be uh, 3.85 to 4.0 megahertz. And for, your, for the scanner listeners, I mean, for your shortwave listeners, they can take a look at their, their radios and see if they go into those bands. And for 40 meters, it'd be 14.225 and to 14.350, I think. I don't remember the frequencies offhand, uh, but there are charts online where you can take a look and see if they are. But the general class uh, license gives you all those bands, and then the extra class gives you just a little bit more. I personally have a general class license. I've never thought, I've never really considered getting the extra class because you don't get that many more privileges. So I decided just to stay with that. And but there, you know, there's. A lot of reasons to go down, get a book, go to a class, and get your tech license. Now, now if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm not going to twist anybody's arm. There are other uh, modes of communications, and <clears throat> everybody should know about all these different modes. The next one is FRS, 
family radio service. You see these little handhelds at Walmart, you get two little handheld radios, little walkie-talkies for $19. They make great target practice for 22s because they're only good <laughs> for about a block. FRS Family Radio Service, they're only allowed to transmit 250 milliwatts. That's a quarter of a watt. They have virtually no range. And if you get an obstacle between you and them, you could be on one side of a steel garage and somebody could be on the opposite side of that garage. There's a very good chance you won't hear each other. So <clears throat> pass those radios up. Now, you'll see them, also see them up there, say FRS slash GMRS, which is General Mobile Radio Service. Now, to be on GMRS requires a license, but you're allowed 25 watts, and you can go through what's called a repeater. In other words, it's two radios combined together with what's called a duplexer and a controller. It transmits on one frequency and receives on an offset frequency. In other words, you'll be transmitting on 444.0 megahertz, and receiving on 449.0 megahertz, five megahertz apart. That allows it to receive and retransmit your signal simultaneously, and radios that are set up for this receive, their receive is always set on the 444.9, and their transmit is on the 444.0. Now, I know that may sound confusing right now, but the more you look into it, the, the more you'll understand how it works. But it just, it just allows you to key up talk to a machine that could be on top of a mountain and somebody could be on the other side of that mountain where you could not talk directly to them, but through this repeater, it sounds like you're right next door to them. By the way, Kurt, if you have any questions during this, please jump in. Feel free to ask them. Well, question about repeaters. Are they government sanctioned or certified or can anybody set one up? As long as you get a GMRS license, which does not require a test, it's just a form you fill out and you pay them 85 bucks every five years for your license, you can set up your own repeater anywhere you want. There's a website, gmrs.org or com. Well, you can try org com on that. But it is a national database of GMRS repeaters. It tells you the frequency, the input, the output, the, the tone they use. And it's a subaudible tone that you never hear, but what it does, it allows the repeater to the, the uh, repeater to operate when you key up and you transmit that tone. But if there's other signals coming in from from, and I'm gonna get technical here, say a harmonic of another radio, another repeater that's close by can actually trigger an untoned repeater. So they put tones on them to keep them from being from the repeater being triggered and going up and down, up and down. So okay, only people with those tones can get into them. But they're all there on, on the internet, so you can go look at them. But again, if you get on, you get a uh, say an old Motorola radio, an old UHF, which you can find them on eBay for fifty bucks, or a Motorola radius about the size of a of a hefty CD set. Um, and get it programmed, and any Motorola shop anywhere in the States, can, you walk in and say, well, I got this old radio, it's a 16 channel, I want to have these channels programmed into it, they'll program it for you. As soon as you saw it, show them your license. But once it's programmed, you get on the repeater, you key up, you, and you can call, you, and the nice thing about GMRS is one license is for the whole family. So dad's unit one, mom's unit two, the kids are unit three, four, and five, 
the dog spot to be getting sick. Doesn't matter. As long as you can speak English, that's just speak. You can get on there. I've got about six of those here at the shop, and some at home. And the the problem with that is without the repeater, they're not. You can go to Costco. Okay, it'll say thirty nine mile FRS GMRS radio Motorola. You know, they give you some mileage. Could be seventeen miles, fifty two miles, sixty eight miles. It, all of this, it's bogus. It's just yeah, a mile lying. away. If you're in town, Coeur d'Alene, we, uh, I, I leave Angie at the shop. I go to Home Depot. It's a mile away. The instant I step inside the door, she can't pick me up anymore. Well, that's the FRS, GMRS radios. So you're on FRS or GMRS. It doesn't matter which. Like I said, you're only a quarter-watt radio. Now, nothing that GMRS, you can build your own repeater. You can buy repeaters on eBay, and they'll program them for you before they ship them to you. So you got to do is figure out what repeater frequencies are not being used by somebody because you don't want to put a repeater on the same frequency somebody else already has and get it programmed up and install it as long as you can get it up high. The higher it is, the better off it is. Uh, most of the ham repeaters in, in my area are minimum. Those, the lowest one is 125 feet off the ground. Holy moly. Well, that's where the antenna is. Radios are in the, in the building at the base. Yeah. But you just, you just run hard line up or coax up to the antenna. and you know, But in some parts of the country, you don't need that. Where I'm at is flat. I'm in the Texas Panhandle, and part where the part I'm in is flat as a stone. It's as flat as Louisiana. So depending on where you're at, if you're in a mountainous area and you say you own some land where you've got a nice hill on top of it, you can go up there and put up a 25-watt repeater, power it with a wind generator and or, solar, or a couple of solar panels and a few 200-amp uh, batteries, and you're good to go for a long time. Hmm. But okay. uh, that's one that people need to look into is GMRS. And it stands for, again, General Mobile Radio Service. Now, the next one is MERS, M-U-R-S, Multi-Use Radio Service. Now, this is five channels between 159 to 160 megahertz. Technically, you're only allowed two watts output, but it's an unlicensed frequency. It was licensed many years ago for contractors working on big buildings before GMRS and the FRS systems came uh, into being. And it let contractors talk around construction sites and through metal buildings and things like that. But it's available to anyone that wants to use it. Now, if you run over two watts, I'm not going to tell you you can. I'm not going to tell you you can't. I know people that have 25-watt Motorola's that they bought off eBay and had them programmed for, for the five MERS frequencies. Now, these are simplex. They give, you cannot put a repeater on these frequencies. Well, I guess you could, but I wouldn't want to pay the fine to the FCC. So I recommend you don't. But uh, these are only uh, these are VHF, and they for in town. You know, you can merge. You can put up. Say you have a two watt, couple two watt radios, mobile units. You put one in your car, you put one in your house, and put an antenna thirty feet in the air. You can talk around town. But you can do the same thing with GMRS. The next one that I want to hit on because I want to cover mostly what I'm going to cover in the show for the next half hour. Kurt, Captain Blake is going to be antenna systems because. An antenna means everything, radio means nothing, and I'll get into that later. But the next is going to be the maritime frequencies. Maritime frequencies are licensed for ships, boats, and land stations. Now, these are all licensed frequencies. 
Can somebody go out and buy a couple of them, put them in a car in a house? Yeah, they can. But if you get caught, the fines will start at $1,000 for each violation that they bill you for. And the FCC is nasty in the fact that since they don't get a lot of money anymore off licensing fees, they want you to get six or seven instances before they, before they send you out a nasty gram. And I've seen nasty grams other people have gotten. I never want to get one in the mail. So I kind of go by the rules. But the radio frequencies are there. I would imagine if somebody lived way inland, away from any navigable waterways, they keep them on low power, they might be able to get away with it. Problem is, there aren't going to be a lot of people with those in case of a disaster. Well, here's something about up here. We've got big old Lake Coeur d'Alene, and, and hundreds of people have their houseboats out on the lake, and they use the maritime frequencies to communicate to, the, to their people on the shore. So, surprisingly, for being in North Idaho, nowhere near the ocean, there is a lot of traffic on the maritime bands. Right. It's considered a navigable waterway. Mm-hmm. Of course, going by the EPA, a dried-up ditch is considered a navigable waterway these days. Right. Well, anybody who has a boat can file for a license for a maritime frequency. And if you have a boat, you can file for a boat. You can file for a land, for a land station as well as a um, um, mobile station for the boat itself. So the boat can, can talk directly to its home base. Okay. I uh, right, I'm still. I heard a quick. I wasn't sure if I was still here or not. So yep. we're we're, and then as I said with ham radio, you know, you get the license for it. You have you get a gym class license. You have the idea to talk not across the country, but around the world. And I'm almost ashamed to say this. Before my uncle passed away, I used to talk to him on a regular basis, and he uh, he was in Norway. Talk about some of the basic, some of the radios that you can buy, that anybody can buy. That that that. Uh, never mind the FRS, the GMRS. Those are toys. You can get them at Walmart or Costco. I'm talking the ham radio stuff. Well, ham radio. You, there are several outlets uh, where you can buy them. Uh, mobile via a single band or VHF mobile radio. They sell for $129 up, brand new. Good antenna is another $40. Are you talking a base unit uh, or a handheld? No, it's mobile. 25 watt to uh, 60 watt mobile. Okay, so a vehicle, which could double as a base with an uh, AC adapter. Or a battery with a, with a, oh. with a flow charger, which okay. I recommend. Because if the power goes out, your AC, our AC power supply is going to go with it. If it's on battery, the radio stays operational. And you have a 200-amp deep cycle battery, and you put the radio on low power, run through repeaters that are on energy power, you can stay operational for up to, up to two, three weeks, depending on how long you're on the radio. Uh, as far as handheld radios go, I'm to a point where I recommend the Bofong. Yep, I got 10 of them yes, coming. Sir. The 5R, five, uh, five what is it, 5UV, five 5R5 five Plus or something? UV5R. UV five R. I've got, I've got yeah. ten of those coming, and they have a, dr- a drop in charging base that plugs in your wall. And I'm getting the DC cord so you can hook it into your vehicle and charge it through your cigarette lighter as well. Well, I had one, and I have all the, I have that adapter for it, and also a drop in charger. And they have up to thirty eight hundred milliamp batteries. You can order for these things, and the batteries are only fifteen dollars. 
Yeah, I know they're inexpensive, but that's this is one of the track the traps with China. They're putting everybody out of business here. Oh, they are. You you said somebody was talking about uh, uh, Solyndra and the solar panels earlier. Mm. Uh, why buy Why buy American made when you can get Japanese? I mean, Chinese made for thirty percent less, and they're just as good, if not better. Most American most American made solar panels are at max are one hundred eighty watts. The Chinese are coming out with 220 watts. Oh, and by the, by the way, those who want to know how to figure out how many amps you're getting, uh, watts divided by volts equals amps. Part of Ohm's Law, part of something you'll learn when you get an amateur radio study guide. You know, so that's, again, that's watts divided by volts equals amps. Okay, mo- yeah, most people are like, wait a minute, I don't understand the math. And the math is pretty easy. Now, say that you got a 500-watt a uh, solar panel. You divide that by 12 volts because that's mainly what you're going to be charging, 12-volt batteries. And you hit equal, and it says you got 41.6 amps. Solar panels are actually 24 volts, not 12 volts. Well, it depends. There's, you can order. It, they go into a charging unit. So when it comes out of the charging unit, it's either 6 or 12. Because your better storage batteries are six, your next best storage batteries are twelve. Okay, I see what you're talking about. But the six volt batteries cost a lot more than the twelve volts. However, they last longer and they come in higher amperages. You can get the six volts, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I think they're three hundred twenty amps, amp hours. My my father had a uh, ham radio that was used on Okinawa. And it was, um, I don't know, size of a suitcase. And it had a crank. It was like a bicycle pedal crank. You ever Mm -hmm. seen one of those? Okay. And it had a collapsible antenna that went up about 20 feet. And the damn antenna was, when it collapsed down, was about two feet tall. This was a forward listening post or a forward observation post, covert. And he would, there was an internal battery on that radio. And he would charge it with that crank, and then he would broadcast or listen, and it, and it charged the battery up, I think, for like two hours. Yeah, that was your military radios. And uh, they had, I think they had two six-volt dry cell batteries in them, and somehow or another they got these batteries to charge. Because dry cells are notorious about not being able to charge. So they may have been red cells. But anyway, those were, they were about five watts. And they were up in the HF band, and they had about a 10, 10 to 15 mile range. But that little hand crank that you, I mean, a little foot pedal thing that you would charge it with, yeah. you took those and hooked two 20 foot wires to it and stuck them in the ground and started cranking. And be surprised, you those ones that pop up to go fishing with. Oh, yeah, he used to do that. He also one day said, Here, why don't you hold these two wires? Put one in one hand and one in the other, and, and uh, then he told my sister to, to go and crank that thing. And I'm standing there going, uh, hello, what's that for? Well, in electronics class that I took in the military, the instructor stood up there, and he, and he wanted to see how many DAs there were in the class. And I'm not going to say the name, but you know what I mean. And he took a take a... 500 microfarad capacitor, charge it, bend the problems over, and throw it. See who's going to be dumb enough to catch it. He threw it to me, I ducked. Yeah. I had that memory 10 years earlier, and I, wasn't, I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to be that stupid. I was going to remember. 
Uh-huh. Okay, so so anyway, so you so not too much money, you can get a uh, mobile unit to go in your vehicle, which you can which can double as a base unit in your home if you wanted to, and handhelds fifty dollars or, or less now. Yeah, and I'm fifty miles or so from Amarillo. I can key up the repeater here, which is now linked to another repeater through the internet in Amarillo, and talk to another ham in Amarillo on a handheld. On the repeater. Yeah. yeah. Now simplex, I can talk simplex to base five miles, handheld to a base station because the antenna is at least 20, 20 feet plus in the air. Handheld to handheld, five watt. I've got maybe a mile to a mile and a half, depending upon terrain. Now, it all depends upon the terrain. If you're flat, there's no there's no uh, nothing to impede the signal. There's no big buildings, uh, no silos, no nothing. You can get five miles. Anything in between, you're going to have a problem uh, getting to places because the signals will be blocked. So that's what you have to uh, worry about. Okay. It's just like yeah. anything else. Yeah. Now, let's get into antennas, Kurt, because antennas are the most important part of any radio signal, uh, system. Okay. <clears throat> I, don't care, I don't care how great of a radio you have. And let me touch on VHF radio, I mean HF radios real quick. You can get a multi-band HF two-way radio from Yezu for under $700. Now, that's just the radio, but it has a built-in t- antenna tuner that will tune uh, the antenna to the radio. Now, as you, uh, this is another reason to get it, to go ahead and get in the amateur radio so you can get in with hams that have already been doing this for years who can mentor you. It's called, I didn't pick the name, but it's called the Elmer Project. Every new ham in an area where there are other hams is usually assigned an Elmer. Usually it's a volunteer saying, I'll take this guy as my Elmer. Now, I'll be his Elmer. The, the Elmers teach the new guys what they need to know. You call them and say, hey, look, I screwed up. I was going to do this, but I think I did it wrong. What did I do wrong? Half the time they say, I'll be over there in 20 minutes or jump in their car, run to your house, and help you figure it out from hooking up an antenna to, to making a good earth ground to doing a lot of things. They're more than happy to show up. And we'll find out that most hams today become preppers no matter what. They may not admit it, but they have. They have a fairly decent stockpile. Now, there's an old publication that's available on the Internet. <clears throat> now, if you want, you can go on Amazon and buy the hard copy. I believe it's 8 bucks plus shipping, and I recommend the hard copy. And everybody get your pens and papers ready. Remember, I told you there would be a quiz after class. Well, come on, guys, get your pens and papers ready. The title of the book is Antennas and Radio Propagation. And repeat that. It's Antennas and Radio Propagation. And please don't expect me to spell propagation right now. The keyword search to find it in the PDF is TM, that'd be Tango Mike dash one one dash six six six. Isn't that lovely? Again, well, it's a military Tango training Mike. manual. The military training manual. It's going to be Tango Mike 11 666. It was written in 1953, and it was, it was still being used back in the 70s when I was in. Very good book. 
Now, you can get it in PDF. You get it in PDF, print it if you've got a lot of paper and a good source of ink or a good laser. If not, go on Amazon and buy it. I mean, this is a very good book to have. It goes into not only antennas that you put high up in the air, but it goes into ground antennas, antennas that are six, eight inches, maybe a foot off of the ground, covert antennas that are hard to see and will work very well out to 100 to 150 miles. Yeah, I think if, if the Schumer hits a fan, any of us who have a ham radio and want to broadcast are not going to be bragging about it by putting a, a 100-foot antenna next to our house or driving around with a 12-foot whip on our car. Exactly. Well, twelve foot whip would be about what you. Well, you could use a hundred and two inch, hundred eight inch stainless steel whip for HF if you had a, t- a good tuner uh, for HF on the radio. But you'd have to have one heck of a tuner like, um, oh, I don't know, the uh, smart tuner from SM SMC, and I don't remember what it stands for, but they make a very good uh, maritime auto tuner. I've got one, and I actually tuned the barbed wire fence with it once, just out of curiosity. <laughs> and talked and, and talk to California. Oh, I want to uh, do that. So, so, I've got a couple of other web addresses for your listeners to write down, so pick up your pens and get your pads back ready. The next one's going to be www.buxcom. That's going to be B. U X C O M M dot com. That's Bravo Union X Ray Charlie Oscar Mike Mike dot com. They sell antennas and coax, all the connectors you'd ever want. They sell Antonon, which is a one of the high end brands. And I've always found their prices to be uh, very good. Just about everybody who works there has at least a tech license. Bottom has a generals. So you can call them up and say, look, this is what I want it for, and they're going to know. Now, you're not calling up and getting some, some uh, blue hair, blue-eyed, blonde-haired uh, bimbo that doesn't know what she's talking about unless you have a catalog number. The next one is MFJ. That's Mike Fox Juliet. Sorry, I'm getting my phonetic code. Now, you can either Google MFJ. Or you can go to mfjenterprises.com. They sell a lot of radios, a lot of what's called QRP, or low-power radios, under 10 watts and under. They sell a lot of antennas. I bought a few antennas from them. I bought one 15 years ago. I'm still using a mobile antenna, and it works fine. Then, if you talk about looking at buying radios, here are two, people, two companies you need to look at and compare prices. And also check the gear web, the, the, the manufacturer's webpage for any discounts they may be offering, mail-in discounts, because I know one of their HF radios, a friend just bought one, he paid $700 for it, and he got a $100 mail-in rebate. First one to look at is uh, Amateur Electronic Supply. Their website is AES Alpha Echo Sierra Ham dot com. And another one to compare that one to would be hamcity.com, H-A-M-City, C-I-T-Y.com. Now, for publications, there are two organizations that I recommend you getting your books from. First one is the ARRL, Amateur Radio Relay League. This is the oldest and primary 
organization that protects the rights of amateur radio operators and lobbies Congress not to take our frequencies away from us and sell them to the uh, cell phone companies. Their website is ARRL.org. O-R-G. So it would be Alpha, Romeo, Romeo, Lima, dot org. And then the other, which I'm affiliated with as uh, what's called a VEC, or a Volunteer Examiner Controller, is, in other words, I'm one of the people who give the test, uh, is W5YI, dot org. That's Whiskey, the number five, Yankee, Lima, dot O-R-G. Now, they give the... Um, the amateur radio test, but they also give the commercial radio licenses. So when you go there, you need to click on amateur radio, and they'll take you into that section. But on those last two, AWRL and W5YI, is where you would go to get your study guides. <clears throat> Do I have a preference? Yes, W5YI, because they sell the Gordon West manuals, and Gordon West has been teaching amateur radio for 30 years. And his books, to me, seem to be clearer and easier to understand than the ones put out by the WRL. But both of them are good sources for studying material. And there's a lot. You can go on Google and type in ham radio test, and you'll find practice tests all over the Internet. You can take them free. You can type in ham radio technician class or general class study material. And you'll get all sorts of information that will help you with the, current, with the current test. So with that information given, let's get back to antennas. If you okay. don't have a good antenna, I don't care what radio frequency you're listening to or what your reasoning for listening to it is. It can be shortwave. Kurt, how many people call you up that have a good, a good shortwave radio, but all they have is a little pull-up antenna on top of it, and they say they can't get you? And then they say they can hear you, but not very well. At times they can hear you really well. Sometimes they say they can't hear you well. Here's the thing. It's called propagation. That's the reason I was recommending that book. What propagation is, is the atmospheric conditions that may exist at any given time. The atmosphere changes. You have multiple layers in the atmosphere. And to give you an example, on a very high frequency, say on the 80-meter band, and you'll have to look that up to see what it means, because I'm not going to go into the exploration right now, we don't have time. But on the 80-meter band, during the day, I had trouble talking across the street. But at night, the E and F layers of the ionosphere combine. The sun goes down, they come together. It creates tighter particles, which allows the, the transmission, my radio wave, to hit it and bounce off and go down 1,000 miles away or 5,000 miles away. When the propagation is right, the signals from where Kurt's signal originates bounces off the atmosphere, comes back down to the receiver, and if, you get, if you're under that beam where it's coming back down, just picture it as a beam. As a beam of light, it's going to bounce off the atmosphere, it's going to come back down. If you're within that beam of light, any antenna is going to pick up Kurt. If you're just outside that beam, you may hear Kurt come in and out. If you're a little bit further outside, you're not going to hear anything. The better your antenna is, the longer the wire is, the more of a scattered signal you'll receive. But the antenna tends to grab that scattered signal, combine it, with the other parts of the scattered signal, 
And when it comes into the radio, the heterodyne converts it back into a signal that you can receive and you hear Kurt's voice. So, what makes a good antenna? 22 to 26 gauge insulated wire, strung around the eaves of your house, not touching any other metal, brought down inside your house and looked for an alligator clip that clips on the collapsible antenna on the radio will greatly improve your receiving signal. This won't work for a transmitter unless you have what's called an auto tuner hooked to your radio because if not, it'll just burn the, burn the radio up. It won't, the transmitter will just burn out because it's not matched to the antenna. But the antenna is everything. Without a good antenna, you're not going to hear well. You're not going to transmit well either, even if you have a license and a 100-watt uh, base station and all the bells and whistles. If you don't have a good antenna up, you're not going to transmit any range. You may talk cross town, but you're talking what's called ground wave because there are two waves trans that are given out by a transmitter. There's the ground wave and the air wave. Ground wave hits the ground, travels along the ground for a given distance. It can be 10 miles, it can be 100 miles. Air wave comes off the antenna, goes up on a 45 to 80 degree angle, hits the ionosphere, and bounces back down on that same angle. As it goes up, it goes down. Remember your basic algebra from, from, uh, from high school. So, you see, probably gone by people's homes and you see a towel up and you see a big set of beans up there. That's most likely a, a general and extra class ham. And he can spin those beans and not only hit ground wave 100 miles, but hit air wave 5,000 miles because he has a larger surface on those antennas. Now, if you want to figure out what, the, what you need for the length of, a, of an antenna to match it to a specific frequency, that's also in the Technician's Amateur Radio Study Guide. It's in the mil that, uh, military training manual. But it's a simple mathematical formula. 468 divided by the frequency. In other words, if the frequency is 50.125, that's a 6-meter amateur radio band, the antenna has to be 54 inches long. For a, what's called a quarter wave. A full wave would be four times that, or 200 and some odd inches. For the 80 meter band, you're looking at 90 feet of wire. For the frequency of Kurt is transmitted on a short wave, I believe you, I did the math a while back, I believe it was 41 feet of wire. And that would give you a quarter wave for that band. But again, the mathematical formula is real simple. 468 divided by the frequency. Now, when you say 40, 40 feet of wire, does that mean in a straight line or can it be wrapped? It can be wrapped. It can be coiled. It can just run around the house. Or it can be in a straight line. Now, here's one thing most people don't take into account. When you run that wire out, you can, this reason I say, 22, 26 gauge insulated wire. One is pretty cheap, two is real thin, and it's hard to see. But you've got to keep it insulated. If you're going to bring it down to a skin, down to a shortwave receiver, it needs to be insulated because if it touches metal on the house, that's going to change the actual frequency of the antenna. So if you do the mathematical formula for Kurtz frequency, and you do a quarter wave, which probably a wrap halfway around your house, maybe a little bit longer, it needs to be insulated all the way around, brought down to just an alligator clip, and then clip it onto the receiver. 
on that an, on that little pull up antenna. And we did little we little telescopic antenna pushed all the way down, pulled just up enough to clip it on to it, clip it on that little static head on top. That little ball <coughs> is designed to dissipate static. Doesn't do that good of a job, but that's what it's designed for. <coughs> oh, pardon me. I couldn't get to the phone quick enough to mute it. My apologies. But an uh, antenna uh, Karen, we only got about three and a half more minutes. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to wrap it up by saying antennas, no matter how great of a radio you have, if you don't have a good antenna, you have a lousy station. And also, if everything goes to hand, heck in a handbasket, you have ham radio, CB, GMRS, all these different radios set up on a shelf and you've got batteries to power and everything else, unplug the mics. Listen. Don't talk until you know who you're talking to. That's like under Murphy's Rules of Combat. You know Murphy? Yeah, I know Murphy. Murphy's, Murphy's Laws? Murphy. Well, under Murphy's yeah, Rule of Combat, I think it's number 12, tracers work both ways, and so do transmissions. If they can hear you, then somebody else can also, and they can track you back. Yeah, yes, Mr. Murphy is living in my spare bedroom right now. All right, Kurt, thank you for having me on. Appreciate you coming back so we can tie up all the loose ends on the radio communication. All right, well, let me do a quick recap. We were talking about different okay, yeah. forms of communications that are available to just about anyone. Some require licenses, some don't. So let's go over them real quick. FRS, Family Radio Service, that is a low-power 250 milliwatt or millions of a watt of power output, and it has a unimpeded range of about a half mile to a mile depending upon terrain, buildings and other obstacles. You can buy these radios at Wally World for under $39 for a pair. Like I said, they're good for around the house or a building, but they would not be any good for field use or anything else. Then you have GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service. That is a licensed frequency. Uh, the license does not require a test. It's only a $85 fee for a five-year license. That allows anyone in your immediate family to use the radio and use the call sign anytime they want to communicate within the family. That's what it was designed for. They have a power output of 25 watts. And they also, people around the country put up repeaters, which extend the range of a mobile unit up to 10, 12 times of that of talking radio to radio. And then you have Citizens Band, the old favorite CB. They're still out there, 40 channel AM. You can find some of the higher, more, more expensive radios with sideband. Uh, the only problem with CB is everybody knows about CB. If the Shima was to hit the fan, everybody's going to have a CB set if they've got to shoot a trucker to take it away from him. Would it be a bad idea to have a CB set? No. Would I talk on it? No. I would use it to monitor to see what's just going on in my local area. The next one is MERS, or Multi-Use Radio Service. This is an unlicensed band. It's VHF between 159 and 160 megahertz. The power output is restricted to 2 watts. However, as I said last week, I've seen people who have taken radios and did mods on them, modifications, where they have clipped a diode to let them go out of band, and they put out the full power that the radio is capable of. Most mobiles are anywhere between 50 and 75 watts. There are five MERS frequencies, if I remember correctly. Or you can buy a radio, say a Motorola Radius, which is about the size of a CB set, 
and it can be put onto the Mer- um, the MERS frequencies. However, it has to be programmed by somebody with a laptop and the Motorola software. All right, then we come down to ham radio. This is the licensed frequencies. Uh, there are more frequencies available to a general class amateur radio operator than the federal government has combined. This this covers both AM, FM. Uh, and single sideband, both upper and lower modes. Uh, maximum power output on amateur radio legally is 1,500 watts, depending on the band you're on and where you are in the country. If you're up towards Canada, there are restrictions on UHF on um, where you can operate and where you can't. But this is all taught in the classes and uh, in documentation. Anybody would get to be interested in getting their technician, general, or extra class license. Now, on my website, I've posted study guides for the for the technician and the general. And there's a these were put together by a friend of mine who said that um, if you use the one that's marked the uh, quick license, you can study it for four days, go pass your test, get your license. They're on my website, and that is www. Then my call sign wb five. G-E-O dot net. So phonetically, that'd be Whiskey Bravo, the number five, Gulf Echo Oscar dot net. And on the right-hand side, you'll see the link that says Ham Test. Just click on that, and you'll take it to it. Now, the website's being redesigned and reworked, so there's not a lot on it right now. So let's get back to where we were uh, last week where we got cut off, Kurt, and that was to um, lightning protection. Anytime you have an antenna up in the air, above a foot above the roof of your house or higher, it is subject to a lightning strike. Now, I could go into all the, the different details of how lightning hits and what attracts it. And yes, lightning is attracted that you cannot see, but a little spurt comes up out of the ground, and it connects with the lightning bolt, which traces it right back to Earth. That could be... A piece of pipe in the ground, it could be the dirt, it could be the top of your head. But using slow motion video, slow motion video they actually videotaped it and shown where the spurt comes up out of the ground and the lightning connects to it. Very interesting video. Anyway, there are devices made to protect your equipment from lightning strikes. One method of, connect, of protecting your equipment is just disconnect the antenna wire and toss it out the window. So if it does get hit by lightning, it'll divert it straight to the earth. But that could be a pain in the butt having to go out in and out, in and out, getting your antenna wire, bringing it back in. Some old hams believe that if you take your antenna wire, take it loose from the radio, and put it in a big glass jar, that would protect you from lightning strikes. I have never seen proof either way if it worked or it didn't work, so I really don't know. Hey, i got a question. Isn't there a way to ground the antenna so that if it does get hit, it doesn't bypass and come back through the line? That was the next thing I was going to, Kurt. Oh, sorry, I stole your thunder. <laughs> well, the technical turn is a polyphaser. Isn't that what Captain Kirk used? Similar, yes. Anyway, it comes with a male connector on one end, a female connector on the other end, and basically what you do is you bring the wire down to the base of the tower, the mast, cut it in half, put two, connect, put a con- uh, two connectors on it, and then it has a grounding strap which you run to a real grounding rod, not a piece of rebar, not a piece of galvanized pipe. You need you need a 
at least four foot long grounding rod that is copper cladded. Before Radio Shack goes out of business, if you're looking for grounding rods, go get them there. They sell them a lot cheaper than the local electrical house, uh, outlet does. Hey, well, hold uh, on, Karen. What's your website again? All right, it's www.wb5geo.com. Net. Polyphaser has a glass tube in it that when it senses an overpressure of molecules or electrons coming down the antenna headed towards the radio, the, the glass tube blows. Once it blows, the only path is the ground connection to the grounding rod. Also, do not use cheap, thin bell wire to connect the surge protector to lightning prevention device to a grounding rod. If you're going to do it, do it right the first time. Save yourself a lot of headaches and issues later on. And by the way, TV antennas, radio antennas, just passive antennas for for eight, for short uh, shortwave receivers are all subject to lightning strikes. So it's best that you do your research. Now, you can go to a website called ARRL.org. That organization, which is the Amateur Radio Relay League, has all sorts of really good publications on antennas, grounding, getting your licenses, you name it. If it has anything to do with two-way radios or amateur radio or antennas, it's all, they have books on all of it. They have it on hard copy. They have it on DVD. I recommend hard copy because if Schumer did hit the fan and electricity went out, like we almost lost, you know, we almost lost the electrical grid about about 10 days ago. Where? Uh, across the Northern Hemisphere. We were barely missed by a coronal mass ejection. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. It grazed the north, uh, the North Pole. If it had been a direct strike, it was the same equivalent power. It was a four. Highest they go is a five. It was a four, and a four was what hit in eighteen sixty something that took out the uh, the the telegraphs. Burned telegraph stations down to the ground, electrocuted uh, operators, and it was the same magnitude, but it misses. So, if something like that were to happen and you got everything on DVD or CD, it's not going to do you a bit of good unless you have a way of charging a laptop battery. And by the way, you have solar panels, they're going to short out from the surge. Have wind generators, they're going to burn the alternators inside, is going to burn out from the surge. So, you have, unless you have replacement components, how are you going to charge, charge any batteries or run anything? You're not. Well, unless you buy my Voyager uh, shortwave radio that has a built-in brushless generator that you can crank and charge stuff. I actually bought five of those, Kurt. Gameway's Christmas presents. Those are great units. I've got three of them sitting right here behind me. Also, let me touch on something real quick. Go back to what a caller asked. You have a CB license? That goes back to the 1970s. No, it's not valid anymore, but yes, you can use the call sign because on CB, nobody cares. However, a uh, rubber ducky or big trucker are liable to make fun of you. But that, you know, that's up to yeah. you. If you want to use it, use it. Personally, I have an old CB call sign, but I won't use it. It took me about 20 minutes just to remember what it was. Also, now let's get back to grounding. Ground rod should be at least four foot long, copper cladded. Now, when you're connecting your grounding wire from the polyphaser to the ground rod, use copper throughout. You do not want to use dissimilar metals. Now, what do I mean by that? If you attach aluminum to copper, it's going to corrode. Corrosion breaks the ground 
So you will not have a continuous good ground from the polyphaser to the antenna, to the ground rod. Now, is there a way of using dissimilar metals and not have issues? Yes, there is. There's a chemical called NOOx. I believe it's spelled N-O-O-X. It stands for no oxygen. It's not that expensive. You can buy it at most electronic or electrical supply houses. I think it's like $5 for a small tube of it. And you paint it on. You take a little toothbrush or a little paintbrush, and you squeeze it on, and you spread it on. You can spread it on with a Q-tip. The only trick is, one, you've got to get it on thick, and secondly, you've got to check it about every six to eight months to make sure it hasn't washed off, depending upon the amount of rain you get. Now, if you have a tower or a mast up in the air, you can do what's called dual ground. You can ground the, wa- the coax by using a polyphaser. But you can also ground the tower or the mast by running a piece of number eight copper from the bottom of the mast to the ground, same grounding rod. The reason you want to use the same grounding rod instead of another one, you do not want to change the potential of ground. In other words, uh, how do I explain this? Keep it simple. Let's use a, let's use a one this for example. Let's use a, uh, a one foot ruler. If your polyphaser is grounded to a grounding rod, can consider that to be one inch. If your tower or mass is grounded to the same grounding rod, it will be about the same measurement. If you have two grounding rods, different pieces of metal will conduct electricity differently. It may not conduct it differently enough to make that big of a difference, but then again, it may. And also, never put a grounding rod into concrete. I've seen a lot of people, they'll pour a slab, they'll put their tower on it and bolt it down, they'll put a ground rod right through the concrete. Basically, what it is is that electricity takes the path of least resistance. And if you get more than two, more than one choice, it'll pick, take the one that's the weakest. And that usually ends up being the sub-quality uh, metal that people use, like rebar. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We lived next to uh, Air Force Base when I was a kid, and we had to ground everything. Yeah, you never want to ground through a, a, a concrete slab of any type. I've seen people do it. Now, there is a way of doing it, but you have to use a piece of PVC pipe to separate the grounding rod from the concrete. Because I've actually seen it done the other way, and a lightning stri- I saw this tower had been hit by lightning, and the concrete slab exploded, throwing concrete completely through one side of this guy's house. In the download that I have, it's got a diagram on how to properly ground. But as I said, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Relay League, has all sorts of publications. I recommend anybody that's interested in putting up an antenna, I don't care if it's for CB, ham, GMRS, or just a, just a good passive antenna to listen to your show on, they should consider going there, looking around, and taking a look at the different publications that are available. I'll get a question. Right. You know, we sell, we sell a little uh, a reel, a roll-up uh, antenna for radios. There's a clip-on for an antenna. It's, it's 21 feet of wire. Would that work for, uh, as, an, as an okay antenna in an emergency situation for ham radio? No, it's that's an arbitrary length of wire. It would only be good for the frequency it was cut to. Now, if you're interested and want to know what the frequent, how to cut an antenna frequency is, most people think you got to break out a calculator and no trigonometry. And actually, it's very simple. It's the frequency divided by four six eight. 
and that gives you a quarter wave or the quarter wave length that you need for a particular frequency. But no, that's a passive receiving antenna that's that's strictly designed and made for hooking to your Voyager radios or uh, any other shortwave receiver. I didn't know if it was because the length or because the fine wire if it was too too fine and it wouldn't handle the transmit power it would probably handle 100 watts but you'd have to have a tuner in between the radio and that wire antenna so if you had to go that far you might as well just put up a good antenna that you know you can build them yourself they're not that hard to build they're not that expensive a good long wire antenna you have to use a couple of devices in them and a couple of different types of wires that's the reason i recommend people go get antenna books from the from the uh, Radio Relay League. They've got them. It's right there in black and white. You can read it and study it and understand. start to understand how antennas interface with radios because an antenna is just not an arbitrary piece of wire that's thrown up in the air and hooked to a radio and you key the microphone and you start talking. Yeah, was, you know, it's strange that you said that because I learned that when I was eight years old. My mom had bought me some little walkie-talkies and being who I am, I decided to improve the reception and I took two broomsticks and made a V. I wrapped a hundred feet around those two broomsticks, opened up the back of that of that little uh, transceiver, and I soldered the wires onto where the internal antenna had, was attached. And I could talk to my mom about a mile away at Dick's supermarket while she was there shopping. After about an hour of me chatting with my mom, the police show up and want to know how I was broadcasting on their frequencies, all of them at once. That was called a, that's called a harmonic or a spurious harmonic. You're not transmitting on their frequency, but the signal is being divided and divided again and again and again, or multiplied, and it will go all over the place. You could be, I've heard people with a bad system, bad antenna, bad radio, whatever, two meter FM, and they're, I'm picking up their, their harmonics on six meters, and they're a mile from me. That does happen. Yeah, when my mom got home from, from the store, there were two police, uh, not police cars, military police cars parked out front, and she comes in, she goes, what do you do now? Well, that explains uh, it because the military used to use AM or amplitude modulation all the time. And your, your radio is probably AM. And that's the reason it got into it. If they were on the FM or the frequency modulated bands, they would never have heard you. Because even okay. if the harmonic had thrown you to that frequency, the different modulation would not cross over. Curtain. by the way, I'm not an expert. An expert is an ex-strip under high pressure. Well, that's also somebody who gets paid for what, they're, what they know, but you, you, so you don't get paid. But you know how to do it. That's the thing. You... <laughs> well, you'll find that most ham radio operators are more than willing to help you learn. They even came up with a special name for it back oh, almost a century ago called an Elmer. And that's oh. a ham operator that, uh, that's been around a long time that takes a newbie under their wing and teaches him. Quite common. You know, I've had three of them Elmers come in the store so far in the past month and want, right. they want to take me out and, and make damn sure I got my license. Good. Now, anybody who's interested in getting your license but they don't know who to contact in their local area, you can go to a website, and it is www.w5yi, that's whiskey5yankeeindia.org, O-R-G. On there, you can find all sorts of information on ham radio, but you can go and click on a tab that says testing, and it'll take you to a page where you pick 
a state. So you pick the state you're in, and it'll give you a list of everyone in that state, email address and phone number of ham operators that are certified to give the amateur radio test. See, 30 years ago, if you wanted to get your license, you had to go to the local FCC office, walk inside, sign up, and sit down, take a test in front of one of their examiners. Well, not anymore. Now... Three ham radio operators, one is called a VEC, or a Volunteer Examiner Controller, which I am, and two VEs, just Volunteer Examiners, can give you the test. Now, it takes all three, because all three have to sign off on it, all three have to check your answers independently, and they all concur that you passed, they sign it off, they put a check in the, in the mail to um, W5YI, who is one of the big BEC organizations, and then within two weeks you got your license. But also, you can go on there, if you're just curious, you can go on there, Find a ham in your town or a, close t- a town close by that gives tests and call them up and talk to them. They will be more than happy to answer any of your questions. If they're in the middle of something, most of the time they'll say, give me your number, I'll call you back as soon as I finish dinner or whatever. But they will never, ever just say, you're bothering me and hang up on you. All you got to do is tell them you're interested in ham radio, and you'll be lucky to get off the phone in two hours. Quick way to get off the phone. My battery's dying. i got to go. I'll call you back later, but i got to go get this thing on charge. I'll remember that. <laughs> I've never used that excuse. That's the only way you'll get, them off, get a, ham, uh, a big-mouth ham off the phone, because you got to understand, ham operators get their licenses for one thing, Kurt, and that's just to talk to the people. They, yeah. they're, people they're, pers- they're people persons. They just love talking. All right, we got uh, Kent on the line. Kent, come on in. What, uh, you got a question for Karen? Yeah, well, I uh, have a short radio and have a single sideband, and I've enjoyed listening to um, some groups of hams getting together, and it's very, very entertaining. But I have a question for there. There's a phrase called a quarmer. What is the origin of that word, and how do you spell it? There are, the quarmer is somebody who butts in and... Uh, and uh, intrudes on your conversation. Is that correct? I have be honest. I've never heard that that word before. Never, you never heard the word quarmer? No. Well, well, maybe maybe it's a, maybe it's a, maybe it's an East Coast thing. You know, these guys are on the East Coast. I guess you're out west. But uh, there's a there's a program called the Liberty Net thirty nine fifty. Uh, on Saturday nights that uh, I don't know if you ever tried to listen to that or not but uh, uh, it was a really great show and they're getting together and talk about politics and it's it's really wild what you'll hear so anyway that's always puzzled me what the word you know I listen, used to listen to a group down in Kentucky and then this group this guy's up out of uh, Maine or New Hampshire or someplace up there but yeah the Quarmer Quarmer was a guy who would, they were always talking we got quarmed somebody you know that somebody was uh, you know wanting the frequency or wouldn't get off the frequency or this sort of thing All right. I, I understand what you're talking about. Now, it, it means QRM. It's part of the old Q codes, which means uh, oh. uh, underpowered station or or could be a disruptive station, but it's QRM. It's part of the old QRM. Q codes. If, QRM. If you, want, if you go on Google and you just type in Q and then the space and codes, you'll, oh. you should be able to bring up all the old Q codes, and those were used back in the day of Morse codes where they started out as... Because they were shortened, they were shortened phrases for sentences, so they wouldn't have to sit there and pound on the key so much. So QRM was um, noise or a low-powered. Today is con- mostly considered to be a low-powered station. Yeah. Well, or QRP. That would, that would be a way for 
them put him down like somebody. Okay. Well, I really, yeah. I was always, I'm glad you answered it. That was always wondering. So, yeah, I, was, I always enjoyed listening to those guys. It's really a lot of fun, but I don't have a chance to much money more. But it's a good hobby for playing. It is. And that's, you're talking about the uh, 3.7 band. That's up on the 80 meter band. That band normally comes alive after sunset. That's when the layers of the ionosphere, the E and the F, combine and you start getting longer range transmissions or skip. Yeah, I noticed that they, yeah, during the day you wouldn't much act, you know, wouldn't get good much, much reception, but the evenings and the mornings was really strong. So, okay. Well, thanks a lot. Now, during the day, Kurt, you'd want to go on 7.2, 7.3. That's around the, you know, say the 30, 40 meter band. And those bands, the higher the frequency going towards from 40 meters to 6 meters, you get more activity during the day than you do at night. It's just because of the way the ionosphere contracts, expands, and separates and combines. In other words, skip. Well, it causes skip. It's responsible yeah. for we were during the break. I was telling Karen about a. I used to manage a, a, a resort in South Lake Tahoe, and I had a an old English rover that had a built-in English CB, because that's where the CB started. It was over in England, and I was listening one night. Oh, it was about six at night, and this woman comes on and she's crying and yelling about bodies everywhere and blood and an accident, monsters accident. Uh, just that she doesn't know what to do. And I said, look, let me. I'll call the police. I, I got a landline available. So where you at? And she gave me this this high these two highways, and I'm like, isn't that in Texas? And she goes, well, of course, I'm in Texas. I'm I'm in South Lake Tahoe, about a thousand miles away from you. So I actually did call the uh, trooper in Texas and gave him the address, told him what was going on. Yeah. Kurt, the whole point of this show last week and this week is one thing I want to get across to your listeners. If the Schumer were to hit the fan, no matter where it came from, an EMP, and by the way, EMPs only have two sources. That's natural from the sun or man-made. But if an EMP were to occur, if martial law were to occur, if the grid is either goes out or is shut down or whatever, forget cell phones, they're going to go away. Hardwired landlines, they're going to go away. All it takes is one switch, turn them off. Your only form of communication is going to be two-way radios. And it's up to your listeners to decide which way they want to go. They want to go with a CB set that everybody, including bad guys, can listen to and possibly find out where they're at. Or they want to go with MERS, or they want to go with GMRS or HAM, or there's a multitude of communications they can use and they have access to, some licensed, some unlicensed. But how are you going to communicate in the event of any type of disaster? I went through Katrina. I can tell you, the phone, the landlines went down. The cell phones went down. The only thing that was working with two-way radios. And the fancy, big two-way radios that the, that the parish and, uh, had put up that were their emergency backups that would stand up to everything and anything failed within two hours of, land, of landfall. I was <laughs> oh, in the middle why? of this. Why did the it tower, fail? All right. They had, the, they, had four, they had antennas on 400-foot towers. This is something people don't understand. The wind at ground level may be 80 miles an hour. The wind at 400 feet could be 300 miles an hour. Uh-huh. The antennas were stripped off the towers. No antenna, no radio. It took ham radio to make a uh, communications line between the emergency operations centers in southeast Louisiana to... The emergency operations center for the state in Baton Rouge, 90 miles. We were the only ones who could talk that far. And we didn't think twice about it. To us, that's no, to hams, that's no big deal. To CB, to a lot of the old CBers, that's no big deal. Was that just using your, your handheld unit or was that using external antennas? 
No, that was simplex. In other words, radio to radio, no repeater in between. And that was with an antenna 30, 40 feet in the air. You'll learn that ham radio operators, after a while, start preparing for an emergency, such as a hurricane, tornado, whatever. They have an extra antenna. They have an extra 50 feet of wire. I've got a full-blown repeater sitting in a, uh, under a cupboard in my house. It's only made out of, it, it's made out of three mobiles. I can link it into a VHF repeater as long as I can get an antenna up where I can hear that VHF repeater 90 miles away. I can link into it and then have UHF communications on my repeater for local use and Pardon. have it running off of car battery or two. David, well, you got a question for Karen. Yes, sir, I do. My grandfather, back when I was in my younger years, had a great big gray box, and it had all kinds of bands and everything else on I used to sit there and play with that thing. It also had a jack for a mic, which he never kept plugged in, but it would get... It would get anywhere around the world you wanted to go. It would get TV. It would get uh, airplane and all the rest of it. Is those boxes still available or is that not? Oh, yeah. That was probably an old national or one of the old ma other manufacturers that are gone, but the, the radios that cover those frequencies are available. You go to eBay and just type in shortwave receiver. You'd be surprised what you'll find. You'll find them from the newest transistor and IC circuitry all the way to the old tube types. If you're looking for yeah, something this... just to receive with, I recommend the old tube types. They're more sensitive and they're less vulnerable to EMPs and other interference. Right. This was an old tube type, and he just had some wire strung up outside the house. I'm going to guess probably 60, 80 feet. It was run in there just to receive, literally only. But I spent hours sitting there going through with that thing. And you were talking about the meter ranges and the rest of it. And it was called, gee, I used to sit there and get all kinds of stuff from all over the world. A lot of places I couldn't understand. But but anyway, that answered my question. And uh, I guess I'll do a little more studying and see what I can come up with and see what happens. Thank you. We got uh, Sheldon back on the line. What's up? Yeah, uh, your previous caller needs to look up Holly Crafters with two L's, and I've got a uh, thing for Karen. And a statement for you, KHG8576 was a CB issued near Columbus, Ohio, which doesn't have anything to do with the zip code. Uh, Karen, should I discount all the marine frequencies, 156 to 160 megs? VHF. I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. 156 to 160 megs. Not a lot of people going to be using that in uh, Denver, are they? No, sir, they're not. The maritime band VHF bands are, for survival purposes, would most likely be a good band to use. I wouldn't use them for regular chit-chat on a daily basis. The FCC does monitor those frequencies, even in one. Yeah, okay. I was thinking about that, too. A marine band would be a perfect band to have. There's not going to be very many people on it and for emergency use communication. Only. Yeah, we're far enough in. I think we'd be safe. The Lake Shalanas de was declared navigable waters by the Coast Guard a while back. I don't know about uh, Sandpoint up there, that lake. Is that navigable? Is the Coast Guard uh, oh. base there? Hell, they've got creeks out here that they're claiming are navigable, and that's why they, that's what gives them uh, jurisdiction over them. Yeah, maybe I better move to Montana then. Thanks, Karen. Well, also, you can, if you have a boat, and it doesn't matter, any size boat, if it's got a motor on it, you can apply to uh, to the FCC for a maritime radio license to go in your boat. All right, we got uh, Dave on the line. Dave, come on in. You got a question for Karen? Yeah, Kurt. Uh, what's the uh, viability of the uh, steel trash can for a Faraday cage? Because if you've... You're going to need a replacement alternator if you've got a pre-computerized car or um, 
even uh, like the wind generators, what have you, I guess you have to have all that stuff shielded uh, from an EMP, right? Uh, for storage purposes, yeah. So, Karen, I was looking at a website for uh, hams about how to store their gear for emergency use later on, and I don't know if they listened to me or if I somehow picked up the information from them via osmosis, but they were talking about using double-layer Mylar bags. Yes, like- and also, here's the thing about a trash can most people don't take into account. The outside of the can is metal, but so is the inside. Anything you put on the inside of the can that can touch the metal on the inside will not be protected. You can use a metal can... But what you need to do is put whatever's going inside of it in, in at least one Mylar bag, and you need to line the inside of that can with some type of insulation. Well, also, what I've seen, let me interrupt. What I've seen on the cans was that they would line the inside with cardboard, 100%, and then they would the lid itself was lined underneath with cardboard also, so that when, when you put the lid on it, it was 100% insulated from the metal from the outside. But that's like the term I use is tits on a bore. It's more than you need. I mean, if you want to store something the size of a suitcase, I guess that would protect it. There's no proof of that because no one's ever done testing. Right. Now, I've heard suspending with bungee cord, rubber bungee cords from eye bolts on the top of a, of a garbage can and just let stuff hang and not touch the sides, although nope. the cardboard would probably be a good preventative uh, measure, too. Electricity takes a path of least resistance. So if there's any 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 possibility of a spark being thrown, it will throw it. And that's why you need to like double two mylar bags. Okay. Mylar bags aren't you know aren't little. You can get big ones, five gallon size, and you can put anything in the damn things. But it's two bags you got to have. So also, here's something else you might want to think about. And earlier I was talking about grounding potential, keeping everything at the same ground potential. With a metal garbage can, you want to put a sheet metal screw through. The lid into the can. This not only prevents it from popping open if you accidentally knock it over, but it also keeps the lid and the can itself at the same ground potential. Then right. a you, sheet you metal. Want, you would want to ground the can too, right? To yes, a sir. That's where I was about to. Yes, sir. That's about where I, where I was about to go to. Okay. Use a standard copper cladded ground rod and ground using copper wire to the bottom of the can. Now, you're not going to be able to find a copper screw that's pure copper, and the problem with copper-cladded screws is when you screw them in, it tends to rub the the cladding off. So you'd want to use the chemical no-ox, as I was talking about earlier, to put a couple of dabs over the screw going into the metal can to prevent any oxygen from getting between, and any oxidation from forming to get between the screw and the metal can itself. Now, what if you soldered that? You could solder it, and that would hold very well. But again, I would still, even soldering, let's go outside, I'd put a little no-ox over it. It's not that expensive, okay. and it's just a little extra precaution. Great show. Thanks. Okay, welcome, thanks sir. for calling in, Dave. Okay, so we're, we're about done with it, but uh, sum it up real quick. Alright, communications are want to be one, one of the most valuable tools anybody could have in their kit if a disaster were to strike of any type. I don't care if it's a hurricane, tornado, an EMP, whatever. You have to know what's going out and going on in the outside world. And you got two choices. Would you rather have a little Voyager radio where you can only listen to what's going on? Or would you rather have a two-way radio station set up where you can communicate on multiple frequencies and multiple bands and talk to people that are giving out this information to find out if your area is being affected or not? I appreciate you coming in, Karen, and uh, helping us out and helping me out. Now, like I said, her website is going to be up uh, until May. I called up. It's being hosted by GoDaddy, and I called up and talked to them. I said, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want that website down. I'll, I'll pay for it and uh, whatever. And he goes, look, we can't. Uh, she's died, 
and there's nothing we can do. You can't take it over. So I, I they were really apologetic, but there was nothing they could do because I'm not part of the family. I wasn't part of her family. So this this gentleman and I, I'll find I'll find his address, his website, and I will post it on the show notes. This week show notes are going to be about ham radios, and I'll have a crap load of links for you guys. And I really think that everybody should get their license. The key here is the license is not necessarily so you got government's permission. It's because if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to waste your money and you're not going to get the best out of the radio that you can buy. Even these radios that I'm selling here, $50 radios, these are astounding. You look at that and you're going to go, holy crap, that thing's complicated. You won't know how to use it or why to use it until you've done the course. So the course is free. And there's many links that you're going to see where you can go and study. The license is $14. I, I think it's still $14. But once you get the license, don't even worry about it. Now you know what to do and when to do it and how to do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're in for a roller coaster. Right now, the United States, we have no administration in the White House. We have a regime. This is America has been demoted into a banana republic, no better than Venezuela. But I tell you what, the people in Venezuela, at least they got off their backsides and they would go out and they would riot. The last so-called riots that we've been having in the United States are nothing more than Antifas and a bunch of snowflake commies out of the local high schools and colleges making a lot of noise. And until the citizens of the United States get off of their asses and up onto their heels and start yelling no, and enforcing it. You can't just say no. You have to stand up and say what you need to say. Paul Harvey had something to say, and he said it in a much better much better tone than I would. So I'm going to call it a day. It's the Armchair Survivalist signing off. At Runnymede, the Magna Carta was handed to King John on the end of a sword denying to royalty the right of unlimited taxation. Yet you know it was for us, the American people, to become the first in recorded history ever voluntarily to surrender our rights to private property. Oh, yes, we did. With an innocent-sounding constitutional amendment, the 16th, which says that Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived, and we forgot to put any limit on the extent to which we could tax ourselves. Conceivably, we could be taxed out of all private property. We could be taxed not 70%, 80%, 90%, but 100%. We could awaken one morning and find that the government owns the farm and the house and the car and has a mortgage on the church, legally. Historically, whenever any nation has taxed its people more than 25% of their national income, initiative was destroyed and that nation was headed for economic eclipse. History says we'll roll forward on momentum for a little while, but we'd better get some more gas in the tank pretty quick. You see, ours is not the first by George good government to arise on the world stage. There have been several. Rome, Spain, and Greece, and China, and each enjoyed about 150 years at its zenith. That's just about our time in the New World. And then each decayed away. Not one of them was ever destroyed by anybody else's marching legions. Each rotted away, morally, socially, culturally, economically, simultaneously. You know, one of the most cruel paradoxes of history is this. Because each was a good government, it bore bountiful fruit. And when it bore bountiful fruit, the people got fat. And when they got fat, they got lazy. And when they got lazy, they began to want to absolve themselves of personal responsibility and turn over to government to do for them things which 
traditionally they had been doing for themselves. At first, there appears to be nothing wrong asking government to perform some extra service for you, but if you ask government for extra services, government, in order to perform its increasing function, has to get bigger, right? And as government gets bigger, in order to support its increasing size, it has to what? Tax the individual more, so the individual gets littler. And to collect the increased taxes requires more tax collectors, so the government gets bigger. In order to pay the additional tax collectors, it has to tax the individual more, so the government gets bigger and the individual gets littler. And the government gets bigger and the individual gets littler until the government is all-powerful. The individual is hardly anything at all. The government is all-powerful. The people are cattle. Some believe that the need is for a vigorous, strong man to arise on the scene, to regulate and regiment the affairs of men. Yet history tells us there have been several such. Once upon a time, there was a nation great and powerful and good. She was suffering from the aftermath of war, from a depression. And then came upon the scene a leader, an idealist, self-confident, intolerant of criticism. Wisely, he limited his early activities to combating the financial depression. Nobody could argue with that. But in a while, he began to regulate business and establish new rules to govern commerce and finance. Some of them in diametrical disagreement with the God-made laws of supply and demand, but anybody who disagreed with those new rules was promptly fired. The national debt mounted alarmingly whenever anybody tried to tell him that governments, even as people, can go broke when they spend beyond their incomes. He said they just didn't understand deficit finance. Well, what do you say? Did he build on rock or on sand? I say on sand. I am satisfied with all my heart that if Uncle Sam ever does get whipped, here too, it will have been an inside job. It was internal decay. It was not external attack that destroyed the Roman Empire. Starting about 146 B.C., internal conditions in Rome were characterized by a welter of class wars and conflicts, street brawls, corrupt governors, lack of personal integrity and moral responsibility. And Rome passed into what history has recorded as the Dark Ages, lasting a thousand years, just by turning to the left the world has gone in circles. Now either we will profit from the errors of their ways, or it follows as the night the day, our children are going to have to relive the dark ages all over again. How come after thousands of years of experiment, our new nation has come so far so fast? All this in less than 200 years. What is the secret of our success? Well, I think it had to do with a basic American's creed. Perhaps it never passed the pioneer's lips in this form, but if it had, I think he would have said something like this. I believe in my God, in my country, and in myself. I know that sounds like a trite, too simple thing to say, and yet it's a rare man today who will dare to stand up and say, I believe in my God, and my country, and in myself, and in that order. Well, sir, when that early pioneer turned his eyes toward the West, he didn't demand that somebody else look after him. He didn't demand a free education. He didn't demand a guaranteed rocking chair at eventide. He didn't demand that somebody else take care of him if he got ill or got old. There was an old-fashioned philosophy in those days that a man was supposed to provide for his own and for his own future. He didn't demand a maximum amount of money for a minimum amount of work. Nor did he expect pay for no work at all. Come to think of it, he didn't demand anything. That hard-handed pioneer just looked out there at the rolling plains, stretching away to the tall green mountains and then lifted his eyes to the blue skies and said, thank you, God. Now I can take it from here. Well, that spirit isn't dead in our country. It's dormant. It's been discredited in some circles, driven underground, but it isn't dead. It's just that a few seasons ago, politicians baiting their hooks with free barbecue and trading a Ponzi promise for votes began telling us 
We don't want opportunity anymore. We want security. We don't want opportunity, they said. We want security. They said it so often we came to believe them. We wanted security. And they gave us chains, and we were secure. Suddenly, with our constitutional guarantees depleted, with our national character eroding away, with our tax laws penalizing those who dare to prosper, with workers concentrating on how little they can get by with instead of how much they can produce, suddenly we looked overhead one day to discover that the first tin moon in space was a Russian accomplishment, that free men dragging their feet had been outdistanced by slave workers dragging their chains, and we were sore afraid. Perhaps this was a disguised blessing, too. Maybe a dramatic accomplishment by this Cold War adversary was necessary to get us off our dead centers and back to work again. If we can revive in ourselves, then in our youth, something of that basic American's creed, the horizon has never, ever been so limitless. For man stands now on the threshold of his highest adventure of all, his first faltering footsteps into space. Twenty years from today... Half of the products you will be using in your everyday living aren't even in the dictionary yet. We've got it made if we just keep on keeping on. We've got it made. And if we don't, we will follow those other great nation-states of history into the graveyard of ignominious oblivion. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve.